Hi everyone, my name is Sachin Ravel. I'm an immigration lawyer and partner at Ramchin and Ravel, where we have represented thousands of individuals in immigration processes and proceedings. And we wanted to personally welcome you and thank you to this inaugural podcast slash YouTube series that we are creating. Our intent is to address the common everyday challenges that individuals such as yourselves face in the process. And I am one of two hosts, my fellow host, Sujit. Uh, I'm looking at Sujit on a screen. We're doing this remotely. Sujit, please introduce yourself to our viewers and listeners. Hi everyone, I'm Sujit Ramchand. I'm also a partner at Ramchand and Ravel. Welcome to a podcast. Today's topic is about the massive H4 EAD and L2 EAD delays that are taking place right now. We have a few suggestions for those individuals who are facing financial hardship and uh, perhaps these emergency situations. So uh, we get this question quite often. Remember, initial EAD filings are massively delayed. H4 EAD extensions are massively delayed. It's taking almost 11 months. Individuals are, uh, however, applicants, they're in this uh, conundrum. You can't apply more than 180 days out, but you're not getting a result for 11 months. That's leaving a five-month void. And what do people do in this void if you have a financial hardship? That's the goal of this particular podcast on, on some strategies. So... Uh, right now, there is a lawsuit challenging this massive delay, right? And uh, if you read through the court documents, they have stories of individuals who are, who are suffering and why this case was brought forth. Uh, these stories are just like the stories our clients have. Their projects are being lost. Family finances are being severely impacted. Uh, COVID worries. Uh, jobs are being lost, medical coverage interruption. It's, it's a big process, and it's, it's causing a lot of hardship. Historical context, just so that our viewers can understand the historical context, it used to be that EADs had to be processed within 90 days. But then towards the end of the Obama administration, they removed this 90-day uh, requirement. And this processing requirement, because it was removed, it became the foundation of the trouble that we have now. And COVID, of course, compounded it. But then you had the biometrics requirement, right? So, Sujit? Well, you know, this is part of the Trump strategy, right? You know, uh, Trump came in and, and Trump was against H4EADs. And Trump implemented biometrics for uh, any status changes to H4 and to, uh, you know, and uh, status changes or extensions of status for H4s for L2s and various other stat for various other non-immigrant visa categories, and by adding biometrics and delaying this process out, uh, it's significantly impacted the lives and livelihoods of various immigrants. Uh, let me go over some stats, some statistics for our viewers. Okay, ninety percent of H4 EAD holders are Indian women. Okay. 1%, all of them, but 1%. So look at it the other way. About 99% of them had university degrees. 60% had master's, professional, or some degree after the bachelor's. 7% were self-employed, and of these, slightly more than half had started their own business employing Americans. And this one is staggering. 66% of them worked in a STEM field. 
I mean, it, it's evident you can sum this up by saying Indian women are struggling. Family units, of course, are struggling. But what about the devastating effect that this is having on careers? Uh, sometimes some people identify themselves as their ability to earn, but their ability to progress in their careers. And it's having that devastating effect. So, Sachin, the other issue over here is it's, you know, I understand that the career of the individual is impacted, which is devastating from an individual perspective, from the family perspective, from finances to the family. But you also have to think about it as a nation. You know, we need to increase our tax base. We need to increase the revenues, the tax revenues coming in by putting people who have jobs out of their jobs just because their EADs have expired makes no sense from a tax basis perspective too. Think about employers right. that have, a, have an ongoing project and they need key employees for that ongoing project. Now, as you correctly said, 66%, two thirds of these employees with EADs are in STEM jobs. STEM is very important because as a nation, we are competing with China and we are competing with the European Union. These jobs are the key to our national success and our economy is only going to grow with, with STEM jobs. Now you have STEM projects of, employee, of employees that are ongoing and they have to now search for other employees, which, which causes delays in their projects only because USCIS is now you know, delaying the processing of, of these EADs. So just from a national strategy perspective and just looking at our national economic need, this makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely. The Biden administration, as you know, did rescind the biometrics requirement for H4s. But what was happening is that if, if people were applying to extend their H4 and file their H4 EADs as well, the biometrics requirement only worked to extend the process. And it was a redundant process, it's a waste of resources. But obviously certain H4s don't require the biometrics now. Consular processing still does. Rescinding the policy is great. We can agree that it's great. It was a needless policy, but we need to mitigate the harm that's taking place. 11 months is a terribly long time to wait. So what can people do, Sujit? Let's go over some of the strategies that we employ for our clients and, and go ahead. You're talking about 11 months if an RFE is not issued. Sometimes RFEs are issued in this case and that kicks the can down the road even more. So uh, it, it causes a tremendous problem because by the time the EAD is processed and comes through, uh, it, the EADs are not, that, not as valuable anymore because the person may have lost that job. Employees need to fill their need and, and, and employees may move on, you know, with significant pain to the project and delay in the project too. So it's not just employees and it's not just, you know, H4 EADs that, that you know, or, or L2 EAD holders that are being impacted. U.S. employers, U.S. corporations are also being impacted. And, and you know, even Americans are, being uh, are going to be impacted by this because if you think about it, if you think about it, when an employer has a particular project, it's not just staffed with 100% H4EADs. It's going to be staffed with American citizens, American green card holders, and some, some H4EADs. If the entire project is delayed, then other people on that project are also impacted, right? But you, you brought up a good point, Sachin. What can people do? So, you know, there is a process 
to request expedited processing, if you can show that there is a significant need, uh, that, that, that there's going to be an, uh, an impact, a financial impact, personal financial impact to you or, or an impact to an employer, uh, that's, that's one of the reasons that you can request expedited processing. But I must tell you, these are not always granted. It's discretionary. And in order to make the request, I would say that collect significant evidence that, that, that you are going to be impacted. For example, you know, a letter from an employer showing that if you don't have an EAD by a certain point that, you, you know, you may lose your job. Collect information showing that, you know, what, you know, uh, what your financial needs are. For, for example, some people may have medical bills, may have mortgage payments, etc. Collect all of that. And when and you know it's it's good to contact a lawyer to help you put this request together. But if you're doing it on your own, you know please make sure you do it with significant evidence because you do not want to file these requests and get a denial. And the other thing you can also do is reach out to your local congressman or senator if you do have uh, you know if, if if you do have a circumstance that's going to impact you significantly and get their help in adjudicating this matter. Right. Collect information showing what your financial needs are, medical bills, mortgage bills, uh, any any substantial expenses and financial burdens that you have. Put it together. One example is for women who are pregnant. Right. As we saw, 90 percent of H4 EAD holders are women, Indian women. I'm sure it's this statistical uh, significant portion of them are pregnant or expecting to be pregnant soon. Now, having a lapse in medical coverage would be terrible news. Of course, terrible news. So what can they do? Look, first of all, have proof that there's a risk of losing health insurance uh, if you don't work, of course. Have evidence of the proof of medical coverage, a detailed letter from a physician. Remember, a blood report showing that you're pregnant, it's not enough, right? There is a human being behind this expedited request. That adjudicating officer is still just like you and I. They're looking at these documents and they're making a judgment call. Make it easy for them. Give them quality evidence. They have to believe that there is a financial hardship that is impending and that this EAD card issuance will avoid it or just stop it from happening, right? We see this very often where people get documentation, they just kind of throw it at USCIS and they think, okay, you know, maybe they'll approve it. It doesn't work that way. Sachin, what you're saying is what you're saying is absolutely right, especially you have to consider the fact that with these 11 month plus delays in processing of these cases, the volume of the people requesting these expedited processing has gone up. So, you know, where earlier it used to be only a handful of expedited processing requests are coming in, now a lot more are coming in. So you want your request to stand out. You know, why are you different from everyone else asking, asking, asking for expedited processing? Everyone is, of course, going to say, I'm going to have financial uh, hardship if, you know, if I don't get my EAD. That's commonplace. But you need to show something else that, you know, you're going to have a loss of a, of a job, not just financial hardship. You're going to have, you know, it, like Sachin said, you know, it could be a medical issue. So put that evidence together. Make yourself stand out. Remember, not everyone requesting the processing of, of the expedited processing is going to have this evidence. So make sure your case stands out. Absolutely. Messaging USCIS's chatbot is not enough. Here's the general process. Your case might be different, but here's what you do. Have your EAD receipt number in hand. Have your documentation in hand. Be ready to articulate the reasons why they should approve the expedited request in hand. 
contact USCIS online, ask for a live agent, or give USCIS customer service a call. Be ready to articulate yourself clearly so that they understand the gravity of your situation and have clear reasons why in bullet point fashion. You know, one, two, three, here's why. That officer will take your information down. They're gonna issue you an expedited request case ID. If they need additional information, they're gonna email you. They're gonna email your legal representative. If you don't already have a lawyer, please feel free to contact us at www.immlegal.com. We'll be more than happy to evaluate your case, see if something we can, if it's something we can help you with. Now, once you send that documentation to USCIS, that human being, that officer, is gonna evaluate, make sure that you give them compelling reasons to approve that expedited request. And that's it, that's the, that's the process. The level of effort that goes into it obviously varies from case to case. Uh, it, uh, and and that's, that's what I think the goal of this podcast was, is to remind you to have evidence that is worth looking at, right? And that, that the evidence is something that that officer can look at and say, in my opinion, I should grant this expedited request. Yeah, I, I, have, I have one last comment. You know, when, when I tell people, get me evidence of this, you know, they'll, they'll get a letter and they think that any letter is good. The words in the letter matter. You know, so if you're getting a letter from a doctor and, you know, and if there's something serious and the doctor emphasizes how serious it is, that matters. If, you know, if you're going to lose a job, you know, have the employer emphasize that. So. The words in the letter matter quite often when, when we have clients that come to us for expedited cases, we, we look at the documents and we say, well, you know, I understand the facts of your situation, but your documents don't necessarily reflect that. So you may want to go back to your employer, go back to your doctor and have them add information that actually presents the seriousness of your case. So remember, just having a letter doesn't matter. Having the right type of letter matters. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Sachin and me. And thank you once again for uh, being our audience today. So I wanted to thank you all for tuning in, listening in to our inaugural podcast slash YouTube video series. This is what we hope to do. Give you everyday advice, talk about current events and give you some guidance on, on what you can potentially do to help alleviate some of the problems you might be facing. Uh, like and subscribe. If you're seeing us on YouTube, like and subscribe. If you're on podcast, please subscribe. Thank you very much. Again, have a wonderful day.